That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you live from uh, my home office here in Portland, Oregon. It's actually a nice day here. It's kind of gray, but I understand it's going to get better today. It was a beautiful day yesterday. Louise and I went out and took a nice long walk, walked for you know, about a half hour, which is something we all need to be doing every single day to keep healthy. It's good for psychological health. It's good for physical health. Just don't bump into crowds. There was, there was one guy who lives in our neighborhood who was standing on the sidewalk, and we were going to have to walk by him. And he started trying to chat us up. And when we got about four feet away, and I happen to know that he's a big Fox News watcher. You know, it's like there was a house in the neighborhood Saturday night that had a big party, right? These are all Fox News watchers. Not everybody who lives here, obviously, but a couple of them. And so I started coughing. (laughs) And he immediately moved back. We have figured out how to involuntarily social distance when people, when we don't want people within three feet or six feet of us, just, just, (coughs) excuse me. Don't worry, it's just, an, it's just asthma. <laughs> Boom! Off they go. So, anyway, a lot going on in the news and, you know, a lot of kind of background news that you want to know about. We had, of course, the Democratic debate on CNN, Bernie and Joe Biden. And, you know, I'll just give you my take and kind of general thoughts on that. I think throughout this coronavirus period, we're going to be a lot less restrictive on how we screen calls. You know, because basically, I think more than anything else, this is a genuine crisis. I believe that we are sliding into something that's going to resemble the Great Depression of 1929. And I think that what's going to get us out of it is going to be a great progressive renewal of 2021. And, you know, that's the kind of the good news embedded in the bad news. And, you know, I'm just kind of opening up the limits. And, you know, typically what we say is you can only call in on whatever I'm talking about during the day. I want to broaden that, I think, because we're really, as much as anything else, as much as a news source and as much as a, as a kind of town square where we have conversations about specific topics, historically topics that Louise and Sean and Nate and I, you know, sat down and said, OK, what's going to be good for today? We're also a support group for each other. We're here for each other. And I think that that's an important thing, and I think it's an important thing to recognize. But I wanted to go through what has happened. We have, since Friday, we've doubled the number of cases in the United States and the number of deaths, more or less. States, 33 states now, are closing their schools. 
numerous states have shut down bars and restaurants and said uh, you can only do carryout. Businesses are having to reconfigure how they do business to do carryout businesses and do them successfully. And in a way, that is, you know, kind of one of those things, you know, in every great crisis, there are great opportunities. And I'm not talking about farm executives sitting around going, <laughs> as long as Trump keeps the World Health Organization thing out of our way, we will be able to, you know, rip off everybody. You know, we'll think of the fortune we'll make in these test kits. If Trump can just keep that World Health Organization test kit out of the United States for another month, that's not what I'm talking about. This virus is not going to go away. This is going to become the new normal, and we need to be thinking of it in those terms. We will probably, over the next few years, develop a sort of herd immunity to it, but coronaviruses, the common cold is a coronavirus. The flu is not. And the reason that they've never been able to successfully develop a vaccine against the common cold is because it mutates so quickly. Now, that said, common cold, there are four major ones and probably 20 minor common cold viruses. They're all in a category called coronavirus A. MERS, SARS, and COVID-19, 19 uh, 19 because it came out in 2019. That's when Trump should have noticed it and paid attention. Anyhow, those, those are called Uh, coronavirus B category viruses. And there's not as much evidence that they mutate, but then they haven't been in as large a population as 7 billion human beings, which is one of the things that accelerates, you know, mutation and natural selection and evolution and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. I mean, if it does mutate, odds are it'll mutate to a less virulent form because the people who die from it are not transmitting it. And viruses tend to get less virulent over time, although that's not always the case. It was not the case with smallpox, for example. It was not the case with polio, although polio didn't kill as many people. So we don't know. You know, I'm just giving you kind of semi-informed scientific speculation. But the point is that this is going to be, at least for the next year or two, the new normal, and probably for a long, long time. And what that means is that we're going to change the way that we do things. Right now on TV, you see people are not sitting so close together. The governor of New York held a press conference in which he said we could see 40 to 60 percent of New York State infected with this virus. And he said if you look at, you know, 17 percent of people who are infected need a hospitalization. People say mild cases, right? Mild case is the worst flu you've ever had in your life. And the medium cases, the mid-range cases, are the ones that require hospitalization. And those are the ones that are the problem. It's not just the people who die, the 2, 3, 4% who die. It's the ones who need hospitalization to keep from dying. And if you're looking at, you know, he said 17% is the number that they're working with in New York. 17% of a population of, I, I believe New York's population is in the neighborhood of 20 million people. So, you know, 20% of 20 million people is 4 million people. So it'd be slightly fewer than 4 million people. And he says he's got 50,000 ICU beds in the whole state. Then his comment was, that makes you break out in a sweat and have a panic attack. I mean, that's literally what the governor of New York just said on television. So this is how, you know, fortunately in blue states, this is how serious people are taking things. And some of the red states as well. Mike DeWine, the Republican governor of Ohio, just said, we're probably going to have the schools shut down for the rest of the year. So... You know, that's all going on, and I've got a pile of news about all that. But should Fox News even 
ex you know, I want to say, should they even exist? I realize, you know, people are going to jump down my throat for that. I am not, you know, calling for, for some kind of, uh, what would you call it, federal ban on Fox News. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that this whole situation, I mean, is it time for us to realize how destructive Fox News and right-wing hate radio are to the United States of America? I mean, one of the video clips that has gone most viral over the weekend was uh, Devin Nunes, a Republican congressman from California, the guy who likes to sue everybody. And I thought he was in self-quarantine, <laughs> maybe not, saying that, you know, we've got to keep the economy going, so go out to the bars and restaurants. Well, that's the absolute worst advice you can give anybody. And Fox News was blasted. Eric Wemple in the Washington Post. He has a piece titled, How About a Hiatus for Sean Hannity? He says, uh, in addition to Hannity, Fox News personalities Janine Pirro, Ainsley Earnhardt, Sandra Smith, and Trish Regan were singled out by name for criticism. He says, such stupid and dangerous commentary contradicts, unends, or grinds against the reporting of many hours on the network. We'll continue with this conversation after the break. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I have just a, an absolute pile of news to share with you and what Mitch McConnell's doing, what the Senate's doing, what the president's doing. We'll get to all that and then we'll pick up your phone call. Coming up on the science revolution, what's the truth on coronavirus testing? And why has Trump refused to accept the World Health Organization test that the entire rest of the planet is using? Melinda St. Louis is here on how the insurer's conduct is outrageous on the coronavirus pandemic. Robert Weissman joins in on how public citizen and 70 organizations are calling on Trump to prevent big pharma from profiteering on coronavirus. Kevin Camps from Beyond Nuclear is also here about the ongoing Fukushima disaster. And in Geeky Science, find out what happens if you walk just 30 minutes a day. Tune into the Science Revolution wherever you find great podcasts. Ron in Penyon, New York. Hey, Ron, what's on your mind today? I was watching the debate and Biden kept referring to Biden.com for me to get my answers. Now, if you're running okay. for president, I, th I think you should be forthright with the American voter and let them know yeah. that you can uh, speak out what you're trying to say and not have me go look somewhere else for answers. Okay, Tom? <laughs> well, you know, I'm guessing that that's because it's a little more of a challenge for Joe Biden to remember a whole long list of details than it is for Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's just, you know, fairly obvious. On the other hand, I thought Joe Biden did a pretty damn good job compared to what I was expecting. I was expecting him to stumble all over himself. Well, I was expecting something that would be frightening. And actually, I was reassured if this guy becomes president, he may not be able to memorize a list of 20 things. But he there's no doubt in my mind he can run the federal government better than Donald Trump. Uh, I, that's probably true. I think, though, that... Uh, Bernie was trying to provoke him a little bit there once in a while. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. they must have had Joe put some kind of medicine in him to uh, calm him down so he wouldn't uh, blow up on TV. I don't think so. I think he just got a good night's sleep. I mean, you think so? I'm increasingly thinking that, you know, I saw this with my mother and my father, frankly, for that matter, as they got older. And you see this in people, you know, particularly people in their late 70s and 80s and 90s 
that you know, having a good night's sleep is just, you know, has a huge impact on their cognitive abilities. And I think that some of those clips that are out there of Joe just rambling on and on and sounding like incoherent grandpa are probably days right. after he didn't get a good night's sleep. Okay. Well, I'm first time caller and uh, I watch you on Free Speech TV and appreciate well, thank you, you Ron. taking the time to talk to me. You have a good day. My time. pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a Bye. lot for the call. It's good to hear from you. Jeff in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I'm concerned. I think why, and everybody's trying to figure out how come that Mitch McConnell won't go and bring this vote for Nancy Pelosi's bill to help people. I firmly believe that the reason that they're holding out on this is they're mad because that payroll tax cut isn't in there that would cut funding to Medicare and Social Security. And I believe that if that was in the bill, that Mitch McConnell wouldn't have even left town, that they would have stayed and voted on that before they went home on their recess. What think you? I think you're absolutely right, Jeff. You know, I think you've you put the nail right on the head there. I completely agree with you. And the reason that they want to do that, of course, is, you know, if, if we were to suspend the payroll tax cut at 100% suspension, keep in mind Obama suspended it at 2% for a year and a half, I think, but, but paid all that back out of the general fund. But if we fully suspend that for a year or for the remainder of this year, that's $1.7 trillion and just taken right out of Social Security, which cuts the Social Security trust fund in half. And so, yeah, I think you nailed it, Jeff. I think you absolutely nailed it. Thanks a lot for the call. We'll be right back. So just a couple of things I want to recap and talk about it and just bring up for this hour. First of all, one of the things that we've learned in the last, just or at least I've learned in the last four days that I didn't know before. We know that with the flu virus, you get infected on Monday, you get symptomatic on Friday. I don't, you know, it varies from person to person, obviously. But you're really only shedding viruses. You're really only contagious for about a day before you show symptoms. This is characteristic of most of these viral diseases. The day before you show symptoms, you're actually starting to show symptoms. You just don't realize it. You're starting to feel like, eh, right? It's the same with a common cold. And so if you can quarantine people as soon as they show symptoms or as early as possible, you can slow down the spread of things like the flu and the common cold. And we do that. We just routinely do that. This virus is different. If you're infected on Monday, you are shedding viruses on Tuesday, and you might not show symptoms for two more weeks. So anybody walking around, anybody standing in a line, anybody sitting next to you on an airplane or on public transportation could easily be shedding viruses. And what that means is if they speak to you, there are little micro particles coming out of their mouths. This is why the, in Asia, everybody wears a mask. It's not to, in part, it's to prevent the particles from coming in, although they can get in your eyes as well. And if you don't wear glasses, then, you know, that's problematic. But it's to prevent the particles from coming out of the mouth when we talk. 
and touching surfaces, whether it's a doorknob or the door to a store, the outer door of your car, you want to make sure that you all, you know, we all need to just get very OCD about this and clean all these things. If you must go to a store, you must go out in public, you know, wear gloves, even regular leather gloves. And then when you get home, don't take them off until you get home and then, you know, wipe off your, the door to your house where you came in, wipe off your car, you know, get some of these bleach based wipes and use them all the time on everything. If a delivery person comes to your house and tries to open the door so they've touched your doorknob after they leave, wipe it off with a Clorox bleach. Uh, you know, and you can make your own. But somebody called last week and said, I believe it was a 25 or 30 percent Clorox to water. So you know, a cup of Clorox to three or four cups of water, and you've got a strong enough solution that you can wipe things down with it. But you know, we now know this, and this is why it's spreading so fast. It's because there's lots and lots of people walking around feeling just great. And they're not going to feel bad for a couple of weeks. And some of them, a small percentage of them, 10, 20 percent of them, will never feel bad. Um, but they're spreading viruses. And my daughter, a nurse practitioner, sent me a, a thing that was published in one of the science journals this morning suggesting that we don't stop shedding viruses until the tail end of the symptoms go away, until just before the symptoms go away. So just FYI, number one. Number two, I watched the debate. I was pleasantly surprised to see that Joe Biden is way to the left of where the Democratic Party was just a month ago, and certainly way to the left of where he was a couple of years ago. He's still not Bernie Sanders, obviously. And I was also very pleased to see that he could hold his own in a debate. I was frankly very worried about this. There had been a couple of the debates where, and, and I've seen these clips running around the internet where it looks like Joe just couldn't hold a thought. And he held a lot of thoughts. Now, you know, I think he got a good night's sleep. I think at his age, that's an important thing. But the bottom line is that there's no doubt in my mind today, as much as I still think that, you know, I love Bernie Sanders and I prefer his policy prescriptions, he's not ahead in the race. And it's going to get very, very difficult now, although we'll see. You know, younger people may be more willing to show up, show up and vote because they are concerned that they're not going to get the, you know, a bad case of the coronavirus, although 20-somethings and 30-somethings have died from it. But it may be that it'll be more young people showing up to vote and the old people who are voting for Joe don't show up to vote if the elections are held and it looks like they're going to be. So I don't know. I think, frankly, we should pause the elections we should do what Ron Wyden has done. We should pause them for a week or two, and we should pass Ron Wyden's legislation, which is in the Senate, which Mitch McConnell is not allowing to be heard or even have a hearing on. But Ron Wyden said $500 million goes to the states, and every state in the union has to mail an absentee ballot to every single registered voter. Now, this is for the general election, but I think, you know, to, if we did it on, on a rush basis, we could do it for the, I mean, you know, if, if we can get a trillion dollars to the banks overnight, we, we can get $500 million to the states, right? This is, this is not impossible. So let's do this, right? Let's just jump on this. Let's, let's make this happen. So, you know, let's make it widely available. So number one, I think this is the moment when many Americans are starting to realize just how destructive Fox News and right-wing hate radio are, because they have been lying to us through this whole thing, just like Trump has been, and it's killing people. Number two, if Joe Biden ends up our nominee, and if enough of us get out that, that he's our president, I'll be happy. I mean, you know, that's, that's fine with me. 
He's not the old Joe Biden, politically speaking, policy speaking, although he's not, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not as far as I want him to go. And number three, well, there's a whole bunch of number threes, but with regard to the markets and things, the Fed blew out everything that they had. They dropped interest rates to 0.25% to zero, which is what they did in 2009, and they kept them there until 2015. That was basically, and now they're buying home-based mortgage, uh, packaged mortgage securities. And I'll tell you about that after the break. This is a really important thing that they're doing, but what it does is it tells us, because the mortgage securities market has frozen up, it tells us that investors are freaked out, that homeowners are not going to be able to pay their mortgages. And we're going to see a wave of uh, You're of listening to there. the Tom Hartman Program or more correctly, a wave of defaults. And if that happens, we're literally back in the 2008 scenario. We'll be back. I'll pick up your phone calls after the break. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Revolutionary Love by Michael Lerner a political manifesto to heal and transform the world. This is from the introduction. We earthlings need to build a fundamental change of consciousness into ourselves and in every part of our national and global society in order to achieve the economic and political changes necessary to prevent the destruction of the life support system of Earth in order to end global and domestic poverty and wealth inequality, to defeat racism, sexism, homophobia, and other forms of xenophobia, to protect human rights, to achieve social, economic, and environmental justice, and to achieve lasting global peace. This new consciousness is possible and can emerge through embracing revolutionary love, the struggle for a caring society, and a new bottom line in all our economic, political, legal, educational, and cultural institutions. This manifesto is written to show you how this can happen and how you can help make it possible. Liberal and progressive movements need to move beyond a focus on economic entitlements and political rights to embrace a new discourse of love, kindness, generosity, and awe. These are not some new agey, smile and be nice formula or let's get into self-transformation before we change society kind of thinking. I'm calling for both our American and global societies to embrace a new bottom line so that every economic, political, societal, and cultural institution is considered efficient, rational, and or productive, not according to the old bottom line of how much these institutions maximize money, power, or ego, but rather how much they maximize love and generosity, kindness and forgiveness, ethical and environmentally sustainable behavior, social and economic justice. This new bottom line seeks to enhance our capacity to transcend a narrow utilitarian or instrumental way of viewing human beings and nature so that we respond to other people as embodiments of the sacred instead of thinking of them primarily in terms of how much they can serve our interests. And also so that we can respond to nature not solely as a resource for human needs but rather through awe, wonder, and radical amazement at the beauty and grandeur of this universe. I call this new consciousness revolutionary love. And its goal is to create the caring society, caring for each other and caring for the earth. The vehicle to create this new consciousness, we will call the Love and Justice Movement, and eventually the Love and Justice Party. 
The revolutionary possibility of love is the kind of love that breaks through those distortions of consciousness that make it difficult to implement a national environmental policy or to end the many forms of oppression that permeate our world. To really embrace revolutionary love requires us to develop a strategy way beyond anything currently being given serious attention in the media, the political parties, and even many of the social change movements. And it requires us to move beyond what seems realistic in terms of the contemporary frame of discourse. Yet there is no alternative if we're to solve the environmental crisis and prevent our society in the coming decades from moving further and further into reactionary nationalism and repression of our own humanity. We need a global mobilization of billions of people to solve the problem. And this manifesto outlines the first steps to making possible such a mobilization. To understand the urgency, let's consider our current environmental crisis. In 1992, thousands of scientists issued a collective statement warning of the impending dangers to the life support system of planet Earth. 25 years later, in December 2017, 15,364 scientists from 184 countries signed a new statement that reads, in part, Since 1992, with the exception of stabilizing the stratospheric ozone layer, humanity has failed to make sufficient progress in generally solving these unforeseen environmental changes. And alarmingly, most of them are getting far worse. Especially troubling is the current trajectory of potentially catastrophic climate change due to rising greenhouse gases from burning fossil fuels and agricultural production, particularly from farming ruminants for meat consumption. Moreover, we have unleashed a mass extinction event, the sixth in roughly 540 million years, wherein many current life forms could be annihilated or at least committed to extinction by the end of this century. Humanity is now being given a second notice. We are jeopardizing our future by not reining in our intense but geologically and demographically uneven material consumption and by not perceiving continued rapid population growth as a planetary driver behind many ecological and even societal threats. By failing to adequately limit population growth, reassess the role of an economy rooted in growth, reduce greenhouse gases, incentivize renewable energy, protect habitat, restore ecosystems, curb pollution, halt defaunation, and constrain invasive alien species. Humanity is not taking the urgent steps needed to safeguard our imperiled biosphere. End of quote from the scientists. The book is Revolutionary Love by Rabbi Michael Lerner. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. 
Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you live, uh, broadcasting live from my home office where uh, Louise and I are basically sheltering in place. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're not quarantined because we're not sick, but we're not letting anybody in and we're not going out. And we're going to hunker down for at least until anybody, until Louise and I and anybody we know can get a coronavirus test kit, which should have been in December. That's when Trump first knew this was coming. December. Or maybe January. That's when he blocked the World Health Organization test kit from being approved by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. So it can't be used. Or maybe February. Or maybe March, which is when Trump had transferred $1.5 million to Quest Labs and LabCorp in the hope that these for-profit companies, which are billion-dollar companies and big political donors, could be, or presumably big political donors, I haven't been able to find their specific donations, could be made in America. And now we're hearing from Germany that there's a German company that actually is months away from having a coronavirus vaccine. 
They had an employee, an employee on their staff. He was a, at the kind of senior vice president level who had meetings over the last week with people from the Trump administration. It was communicated to him that Trump would like to buy the company or have the United States buy the company or have an American company buy the company when they finish their trials, they've already developed this vaccine, when they finish with this, have it exclusively available to Americans. Honest to God. It's in the Financial Times, it's in the New York Times, it's in the Washington Post right now. You can read the story. And the company's response was to fire this American employee who who was willing to even sit in a meeting and have this be told to him. I mean, this is how bizarre it is. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi in the House, did not practice social distancing Friday night. They stayed up until 11 o'clock. They stayed in a session until 11 o'clock to pass a major emergency piece of legislation that would give two weeks of paid sick leave up to $511 a day. Two weeks. More than half of all the other fully developed countries in the world offer 50 weeks of paid sick leave, which we're going to need. This is two weeks. Why why did Nancy Pelosi say, okay, two weeks? Because Steve Mnuchin, the guy that Kamala Harris should have put in prison when he was robo-signing mortgages and, and kicked thousands of Californians out of their houses back in the 2008 crisis, Steve Mnuchin, our Secretary of Treasury, speaking on behalf of the Trump administration, simply said, we will not go, the Senate and the President will not go with more than two weeks. Take it or leave it. And Nancy Pelosi said, okay, two weeks is better than nothing. Twelve weeks of paid family and medical leave at two-thirds of your normal pay, up to a $200 a day cap. But here's the catch. If you're a gig worker, you get a tax credit. So you don't get the money until you do your taxes next year. And companies with more than 500 employees, they're not even covered. So when you go to Kroger's, which has 78,000 employees, and they do not offer paid sick leave in most of their locations, you're going to have people who are coming into work even if they're sick, handing you or stocking the shelves with that loaf of bread that you grab that's in a plastic wrapper on which the virus can live for a couple of days. This is insane. And what makes it even more insane is that Mitch McConnell, I mean, keep in mind, they stayed up until Friday night until 11 o'clock to do this. Mitch McConnell just came out and said, well, yeah, you know, the Senate's back in session today. Yeah, this is nice, but uh, we'll take it up later in the week. And he's all upset, of course, because there's not an end to the Social Security tax. The Republicans are all saying, hey, you want to solve the problem? Do away with, with FICA. Do away with Social Security tax, which, of course, will kill Social Security. This is their solution. Honest to God. I mean, it doesn't get weirder than this. So if you would like to call your senator, the number for the congressional switchboard is 202-225-3121. 202-225-3121. Ron Johnson, the, the Republican senator from Wisconsin, says he's opposed to the bill just because, you know, hey, it's too much. We can't afford these things. We can give a trillion and a half dollars to billionaires in tax cuts. But we can't give a couple hundred million or a few billion dollars to average working people. We can't give them two weeks of paid sick time. Seriously? So in particular, if you have a Republican senator, 202-225-3121 or 202-224-3121, call them and raise hell. So 
Anyhow, Tom in St. Charles, Illinois. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind? Hi, I was just uh, calling uh, maybe to clear something up or give some information on the testing. I'm an international airline pilot, and I've uh, been flying to uh, Europe most of the year, and I have certainly all the symptoms. I've been trying to get tested all weekend. I was told by the hospital I had to go to the local or get permission from the local health department first when it was closed all weekend. Today I talked to my doctor and to uh, the county office, and they said I didn't go to one of the approved countries, which is still just China, Japan, Korea, and Iran, in order to get tested because there's not enough tests. Oh, my God. What are your symptoms, uh, Tom, if you don't mind my Well, I have all essentially... uh, all the ones they're listing. Um, I'm better than I was the end of last week, but they just say, you know, I don't know what the uh, government's telling people, but the tests aren't out there, and you've got a ridiculous, not updated list of requirements right. that even so the, so be allowed. The, so the principal, the, the principal symptoms seem to be high fever, you know, over 100 degrees, a dry cough, a nonproductive cough, and a right. feeling of a massive feeling of fatigue, and fatigue they get on a breath like the flu. Yes, and uh, you know, plus, you know, they said if it feels more like I'm developing pneumonia, I can go to the ER, but I have to give them advance notice, or they won't let me in the building. And even then, the testing right. may be limited. So the tests That's aren't insane. out there. Yeah, and this is plus, all because yeah. Trump wanted it wanted some companies to make a profit off this. And, you know, the other information is they're making it sound like all the international flights are stopped, and it's not. The flights are still pretty much operating. You can only just bring Americans back. So all my friends and relatives are shocked that the the planes are still flying because that's not what the White House is saying. So there's just so much disinformation, and you just can't get anything, uh, anything accomplished. The hands are tied on all the local people. Yeah, and the disinformation is coming out of the White House. Trump said we're we're stopping all travel to Europe, or you know, and and so you've got all these Americans who freaked out and got and and paid up to twenty thousand dollars for an airplane ticket to get back to the United States before the window closes on Monday, and they end up packed like sardines in these you know in JFK well, and, yeah. and Chicago. We're, we're seeing the picture where any one person has coronavirus in that room and it'll spread through. It'll spread like a wildfire right through that right, crowd they couldn't and themselves there at all. <clears throat> that's right. And, and the fact of the matter is that there's a giant loophole in Trump's declaration. And that is that Americans can come home anytime they want. They don't need to panic. You can come home next week. You can come home the week after that. And the planes, as you said, are still flying. And but because Trump didn't make it clear because he wanted to sound like a tough guy who was doing something really big and important, he created a, a public health crisis himself. I mean, this Correct. is nuts. It's getting worse. And, and then when you come home and you have the symptoms, well, you weren't in one of the countries that they're approving testing, even though, say, Italy, France and all that, they're shutting down over it. Uh, you can't get tested here if you went to Italy. All right. I mean, it's, All right. it's ridiculous. It's crazy. So, just thought Tom, I'm glad to hear you're on. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm glad to hear you're on the back end of it and that, uh, you know, that, that you're feeling better. Thank you very much for right. the call. Um, Robert in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Robert, we've got a minute to the break. You want to make a quick point? Yes. I disagree with your wanting to ban Fox News because they give like. A no, I'm not saying ban them. 
Uh, please don't misunderstand me, Robert. I'm not saying we should ban Fox News. We should shame them. We should out them. We should be pointing out that these people have blood on their hands. People are dying because of the lies and misinformation that has been told on Fox News. I think that's enough. Well, they blame Democrats for the current virus. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And Trump himself. I mean, you know, Donald Trump coming out and saying, oh, you know, it's a Democratic hoax. This is pretty insane. It's uh, I've got somewhere here in my giant stack. I've got this list of oh, and Tommy Lahren on Fox News. She said, I'm far more concerned with stepping on a used heroin needle than I am about getting the coronavirus. Right. Well, you know, uh, young people, for some reason, seem to think they're immune. Right. There's uh, trending hashtags about this is the boomer thinner and (laughs) boomer remover. Well, yeah, older people are going to get sicker, but younger people can die from this, too, and are. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Not to mention that most young people have somebody older in their families who they know and love. Do you really want to be killing off grandma? We'll be back. Hey, did you know that Hillary Clinton actually won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Florida in the 2016 election? It's on page 92 of my new book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting. Corky in Rochester, New York. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm well. I go back to memory lane. Remember I told you during the summer that Joe Biden was going to be the best president we could have because he knows where the bodies are buried? Yes. And I think he's going to get in there and start putting back together the things that destroyed us. Well, I got to tell you, Corky, prior to yesterday, the idea of Joe Biden running against Donald Trump scared the hell out of me because I had seen so many clips of his just kind of rambling on. And for two hours, he stood there, didn't flinch, did a good job, did a great job, in fact, in many regards. I thought Bernie did a wonderful job. Of course, Bernie is, has a special place in my heart, and I'm lined up 100% with Bernie on every single policy, and, and I'm, I'm probably 50-50 with Joe. But if Joe is our nominee, I will have no reluctance at all to campaign like crazy for him and absolute faith that he can take on Trump uh, effectively and that he can run our country. Let's look what happened since Trump got in. He started pulling out all these agreements, canceling everything Obama ever tried to do. And now we got this virus running rampant through the world. I think Donald Trump is trying to destroy America because they wouldn't lend him any more money. And he's very well, angry. it could be or it could be that he's that he's trying to destroy America on behalf of foreign oligarchs. There's several other countries out there that do not like us, you know, specifically Saudi Arabia and Russia. And but there's a bunch of others, uh, you know, who, who really don't like us in a lot of ways. They just see us as, uh, you know, potential economic opportunities. And they certainly don't like the fact Saudi Arabia hates the fact that we promote human rights and women's rights. And Russia is very upset, or at least the leadership, that, that we allow gay marriage and things like that. Other countries in the world, you know, not liking those things. And so, you know, to that extent, they may well be supportive of Trump. Or, frankly, we know that they're supportive of Trump. Yeah, well, he's trying to... Putin said he wanted to put the Soviet Union back together. Well, part of the Soviet Union was Ukraine. 
And you see what Donald Trump's letting the Soviet Union get away with with Ukraine. So it leads me to believe that he's trying everything he can do to destroy the U.S. And because he's a little kid spoiled, didn't get his own way with the money lending, Mm -hmm. that now he's on a one-man roll to destroy the U.S. and everything we stand for. I think you're right. I really do, Corky. And, and, you know, the question is, is Donald Trump trying to destroy America because he was never really accepted? Or, you know, that, you know, he feels dissed? Or is he trying to destroy America because, uh, you know, he's he's dancing to somebody else's tune? Or, or, you know, what? But the fact of the matter is he's done a very good job. He's damaged most of our federal institutions. He's damaged our credibility all around the world. And now we've got millions of Americans who are going to get sick and possibly millions who could die because of Donald Trump's, you know, for three months, he's been fiddling while Rome burns. book club book today is Last Boat Out of Shanghai by Helen Zia, the subtitle, The Epic Story of the Chinese Who Fled Mao's Revolution. This is from the prologue, Shanghai, May 4th, 1949. Bing sat up straight in the pedicab, gripping the hard seat as the driver cursed and spat. She watched with alarm as his feet, clad in sandals cut from old tires, seemed to slow to a snail's pace just when she most needed speed. This stylish-looking young woman had imagined that her last hours in Shanghai would be spent waving farewell from a ship's deck, envious onlookers below as a river breeze gently lifted her dark hair, just as she'd seen in the movies. After all, she was about to leave China's biggest, most glamorous, and most notorious city. But now, with the imminent threat of a violent communist revolution, she was running away again, along with half the city's population, it seemed. And instead of standing at the rail, exchanging smiles with the ship's other passengers, she was stuck in traffic, terrified that she wouldn't reach the Shanghai Hongkuo Wharf in time. That would spell disaster. She lurched forward as the pedicab driver stood on the pedals of his three-wheeled cycle and came to a stop. Around her was a sea of other pedicabs, rickshaws, cars, buses, carts, and trucks, all screeching and honking, their drivers yelling every manner of obscenity. The cacophony reverberated against the walls of the stone and concrete canyon of Nanjing Road. Bing was no stranger to Shanghai's mayhem, but she'd never seen anything quite like this. Of all times to be stuck in such bedlam, on the very day she had to get to the riverfront, the date set for her departure from this desperate city. She'd sewn her floral print quipois for this special occasion. Each careful stitch had captured her growing anticipation. With her oval face, big eyes, and full red lips all crowned by a tiara of black permanent waves, the 20-year-old might have been mistaken for a coy Shanghai poster girl, but for the panic in her eyes. Like her, everyone in Shanghai seemed to be in a frenzy to escape, to use any means to get away from the impending arrival of the communists. But unlike those who were still clamoring for a seat to anywhere, Bing was one of the lucky ones. She possessed a precious one-way ticket out on a ship to America. Finally, the driver managed to break through the crush. He harangued everyone in his path, shouting, Move along, you worthless male mule scrotum, smellier than pig farts. She didn't blink at his choice of words, which came as naturally as breathing on Shanghai's streets. 
She didn't care as long as she got to the wharf. The ship's smokestacks came into view just past the stately Astor House Hotel and the towering 19-story Broadway Mansion's apartments, where the Xinjiao Creek meets the bend of the Waihangpu River, the last major tributary of the mighty Yangtze River, before it joins the East China Sea. Massive granite buildings, all in European style, line the signature waterfront boulevard and docks. To the foreigners, this prime section of waterfront was known as the Bund, from a Hindustani word meaning embankment. The Chinese called it Waitan, meaning outside or foreign shore, a reference to the foreigners who once ruled this proud imperialist showcase of Shanghai. British and American businessmen had wrested away the best sections of the port city with the full support of the government. Land and sovereignty had been ripped from China, spoils of the opium wars that had forced the narcotic onto China 100 years before. Everything about these monuments to international capitalists and pale big noses seemed foreign, including the British Big Ben chime of the giant clock tower over the customs house. Soon it would be up to the communists to decide what would follow, what would happen to these grand stone edifices. Shanghai was China's most modern, populist, and cosmopolitan city. One of the leading metropolises of the world, the Paris of the Orient was also home to tens of thousands of foreigners who were despised as imperialists by the Communist Party and its leader, Mao Zedong. The city was the launching point for major inland routes and international traffic, whether by boat, plane, train, or wooden cart, making it the epicenter for the massive exodus in the late 1940s. Stoked by the anticipated communist victory over the nationalist government headed by Chiang Kai-shek, panic and terror had first infected the wealthiest, most educated, and most privileged classes and sent them running in what they fully expected to be a brief exile. It was assumed that the communists would target the rich and the pampered in the same way that the Bolsheviks had gone after the czarist white Russians, many of whom had come to Shanghai as refugees from that 1917 revolution. No one knows precisely how many people fled Shanghai during the early years of the Communist Revolution. Scholars and journalists have estimated that more than a million people set off from or through that port city. Many of those who ran for the exits belonged to the city's capitalist and middle classes, who presumably had the most to lose under the Communists. These two groups comprised about 5% and 20%, respectively, of the city's 6 million residents, or about 1.5 million people. On the other hand, the remaining 4.5 million who made up Shanghai's majority saw no need to escape. They included Shanghai's industrial workers, coolies, drivers, the destitute. But it was not only members of the upper classes who fled. They were joined by old regime loyalists, from high nationalist government officials to lowly foot soldiers, as well as those who simply got caught up in the frenzy or were especially fearful. Unfortunately, there are no records of the exodus since the retreating nationalists destroyed as many documents as they could, while the incoming communists inherited a country in such disarray that no accounting of the departures is known to have taken place. Last Boat Out of Shanghai by Helen Zia. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. 
Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. Uh, Chris in Norton, Virginia. Hey, Chris, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just a little bit worried about all this because I'm a, uh, I'm a postal worker. And so far, they've not really done anything to uh, help us out. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they're going to shut the, you know, the mail system down. But you got to think about uh, how this stuff spreads. It's by spit and saliva, and you got to think about all the customers that we have that are licking envelopes and sitting them in. Yeah. So were I a postal worker, and of course I realize that there's different jobs. There's people who are behind the counter. You know, I would be wearing a mask and wearing nitrile gloves or latex gloves if I could tolerate them. And you can still buy those things online. You can't get the masks anymore. But if I was one of the people who delivers mail door to door, I would either be wearing gloves and at the end of the day throw them away or or disinfect them with bleach. Or I would be very, very careful not to touch my face and just assuming that my hands are contaminated zones until I get off my shift and then scrub the crap out of them. I I don't know what I might be missing here, Chris. Obviously, you're not shaking hands with people or going into people's houses. But, you know, these are fairly common sense steps that I think people can take. But but I get it. The Postal Service needs to have a plan for this. And being a federal agency, of course, you know, they have to dance to the Trump to the tune of the Trump administration. And is the Postmaster General a Trump appointee, Chris? You know, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on all that. I know that Postmaster General is supposed to be stepping down and we're supposed to be getting another one here soon. Uh, but I do know that, I mean, all the they've just basically sent out the basic info and pretty much just said, keep working. I feel like we're kind of like the black sheep because the rest of the federal government is, you know, they're all going to be protecting themselves. And we've got our senators and people that are going into self-isolation like Ted Cruz and stuff. And But, you know, they're just right. leaving us out to dry. So, yeah. Well, did the, uh, you know, sanitary protection measures that I suggested make sense to you? Is, are those things you can do? Well, I mean, if I want to, you know, spend money out of pocket, sure. But uh, the other alternative is to try and put them in as a, an order for my station and, and hope that they approve it. So, Well, I mean, you could, even, you could even buy a pair of just regular leather winter gloves and wear those all day long while you're at work. Uh, you'd probably want to get the what are called driving gloves, the very, very thin ones. And then at the end of the day, when you get home, 
you know, wash them down with a bleach solution. The leather will eventually look like hell, but at least it'll protect you. Or for that matter, you could just have your bare hands, just be very, very careful that those bare hands never touch your face during the day, which I realize is very difficult, but still, that they never touch your face during the day and then just scrub the crap out of them when you're done. I mean, this is a starting point. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about your job, but you know. No, no, I, I, can I give completely you understand. Advice. I just, I mean, I, and I can't imagine that they would shut the mail service. I mean, can you imagine the country if our, uh, you know, the mail went down for oh, even two weeks? Oh, be insane. Yeah, it would be yeah. insane. And especially and, where uh, everyone's uh, stuck at home right now and are ordering things online. I mean, uh, you know, packages yeah. and stuff are, are going to go up. It's just, uh, you know, I, I work over the counter and, uh, you know, there's, I mean, yeah, I could take precautions and stuff, but that's still not going to protect me from people coming in that are sick or, you know, touching someone's mail that could be contaminated. And, you know, well, they say and that if you're doing that. Can, if you're doing that, yeah, Chris, I get fun. that. And you could still isolate your hands just by saying, okay, my hands are now contained. See, the virus will not go through your skin. It has to get yeah, to a mucous membrane. It has to get into your mouth, your nose, or your eyes, or your genitals, you know, depending on your sex and how you, all that kind of stuff. But I don't want to get really gross here. So if you just consider your hands a contaminated zone, but with regard to people talking to you and possibly communicating the virus to you, you might want to call your doctor's office and say, I'm a postal worker and I work you know, behind the counter and people are talking in my face all day long. May I get one mask from your office, please? Get a mask, put it on at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, take that mask off. And you can get a cloth mask at the end of the day, take it off and, and wash it out with a bleach solution and, and reuse it as often as you can or as much as you can. I mean, call your doctor's office and have this conversation with somebody if they're available. Yeah. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that uh, worries me is the career employees and people with the post office. I mean, we have sick leave and stuff, but it's just our supervisors are super, I mean, we're already shorthanded, it seems like, every post office that I work for. And uh, they've said that they're going to just, instead of, you know, trying to shut us down or anything, they're just going to bring more people in to uh, take up the spots for people that are uh, sick and stuff. And I've right. I've been reading stuff online about supervisors telling people not to call in and stuff. And, you know, that's the complete opposite of what we're hearing about, you know, you need to stay home. So, yeah, yeah. If you're not feeling well, it's not just if you're not feeling well, if you have been exposed, if you know that you've been exposed to somebody who has coronavirus, you should not go to work. Because, like I said, you, can, you start shedding viruses 24 hours after exposure, whether you get sick or not, whether you show symptoms or not. And it's not like the flu or the common cold, where you're really contagious in the early stages of symptoms. This thing, you're really contagious long before the symptoms show up, which is why, if you're dealing with the public, you need to be protecting yourself with a mask and with gloves. You don't have to get a space suit to do this. I mean, it's not like you're handling people's bodies. Or, you know, you're not a, in a medical situation. But, uh, you know, this is a time that we all need to be very, very cautious. Chris, thank you for the call. I wish you the very best, my friend. I, and thanks for the call. Boy, what a tough situation to be in. You know, I have the luxury of working from home. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And the people who work with me, we've got now Nate is running the video of our show now from home. So, you know, we're down to just two people in the office, which is good. We're going to try and get down below that. And welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Ramon in San Francisco. Hey, Ramon, thanks for listening to 9, 10 a.m. What's on your mind today? Um, I have something to 
tell you, I read in a Cuban newspaper last night that Cuba is providing interferon alpha 2b to China to level the coronavirus infection. And this is not a vaccine, but rather it's a therapeutic that enhances your immune system. And you know, uh, right. uh, interferon. Right. They use it for hepatitis by, uh, A. Oh, Did you say gamma globulin or was it, or, or oh, interferon? Yeah, inter- They're providing interferon. Alpha-2B. Yeah. Yes. And China and Cuba are providing it to the world right now. Because Cuba offered mm-hmm. it to the world, but they said that they have huge stock of this enhancement of your immune system. But this is what happened when the right. coronavirus Did- attacks you, it goes into your immune system right away. And any lower well, it's your immune system that has to fight it back. It goes into your lung cells. It, it seems to attach to uh, what's called an angiotensin receptor, which is angiotensin is a hormone that our, mostly our kidneys make that regulates our blood pressure. But that's a whole other rant. But yeah, Ramon, did you see the news report? I mean, I haven't read the Cuban newspapers. Thank you for sharing that along. But just yes. the public news was reporting last week that China had transported a giant military transport with a ton of of blood plasma, that's just the pure liquid, transparent liquid of your blood, you know, you spin out everything out of it, of blood plasma from recovered coronavirus victims to Italy. Italy is infusing this into their most severely injured people because that serum is filled with antibodies that are against the coronavirus. Did you see that? And this is designed by the Cubans. And China provides the infrastructure. It may be. It may well be, because no, Cuba has one of the most advanced re- medical re- systems re- in many re- regards in the world. Check the nation, the Cuban newspaper, and it'll tell you in detail yeah. what okay. they're doing. And, and besides, uh, I wish that you would read a book called Blindness by Jose Saramago. He's an old prize of literature, and he talks about when people lose uh, their sight, all of a sudden everybody gets sickened, and the whole country shuts off. And you should see the consequences. And it's a very visionary book. And this yeah. gentleman is just a fantastic okay. writer. So check him out. Jose Saramago. Okay, blindness. I'll do it. R- Ramon, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for the call. Thanks for listening to 910 AM. Ivan in uh, Bartlett, Illinois. Hey, Ivan, what's up? Hey, Tom. This pandemic shows us how important this upcoming election is. So my question is, we all know what a liar Trump is and has been. So why would Illinois voters want to replace liar Trump with liar Biden? Biden stood on that stage and lied about cutting Social Security, Medicare, and veterans' benefits. Yeah, I get all that, Ivan. I'm, you know, I'm going to stop you right there. You know, yes, there, in fact, while Biden was saying, I never said that, the Bernie campaign was tweeting out video of Biden actually saying that. I get that. That was like a decade ago, two decades ago. Joe Biden has changed his position on all of those things. I mean, at what point, first of all, I still would prefer Bernie over Biden. Let me just put that on the record. You know, if Bernie wins the primaries, I'm going to be a real happy guy. But that said, Joe Biden has adopted so many of Bernie's policies or has moved from zero to 70 percent in the last six months so rapidly, he is reflecting where America is at. He's reflecting where the Democratic Party is at. Keep in mind, Franklin Roosevelt campaigned in 1932 on balancing the budget. That was his principal campaign promise. This idea that because Joe Biden 
And yes, he did help write the bankruptcy bill. And he said, no, I didn't. And, you know, I get all that. But he's not saying that anymore. When are we going to be able to simply take yes for an answer? It just baffles me. The whole thing just baffles me. The idea that we have to go to war with each other. Bernie Sanders has changed America. He has changed the political dialogue in this country. And I predict he will have changed the political dialogue all around the world. People are comparing him to Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn was hated. Jeremy Corbyn was weird. Nobody wanted to vote for Jeremy Corbyn for a whole bunch of reasons that had nothing to do with his policies. Something that completely is missed by our politicians. Jeremy Corbyn didn't change the political dialogue in the United Kingdom. Bernie has done that in the United States. And if Joe Biden is adopting Bernie's policies and Elizabeth Warren's policies, which he explicitly did, and he kept saying, I agree with Bernie, and he becomes our nominee, God bless him. I'm ready for it. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.